Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right, go ahead and find a seat. If you're still talking, you can pick those conversations back up right after service. But before we get into the message, we've got a guest. There's somebody else up here with me. Come on over here. So if you haven't met him before, this is Trent Walker. And Trent and his family are one of our missionaries, and they're missionaries in Hawaii. That's right. (laughs) Suffering for Jesus. (laughs) Come on. So I asked him just to kind of share what they've been up to and let us know what's going on. But he's here because we asked him to be, really, but also I want you to know what you're a part of. They're one of our missions that we regularly support, so tell us what's been going on. Yeah, my gosh, I'm so excited to see you guys. This is so fun. I'm, I can't stop in interrupting Sam during worship because I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Look at this. Look at everybody that's coming out. I love it. Well, yeah, my family and I, we live in Hawaii. We serve at a missionary base there called YWAM Kona. It's Youth with a Mission. It's one of the largest, it is, I'm not one of, it is the largest missionary sending location in the entire planet. So what's really cool is we get to be a part of activating and training out young people for missions, and a lot of them are capturing a heart for missions for, as, a, as a career, as a lifetime, which is really incredible. Um, we, you know, just real quick, I'm not going to go into too much detail, because Sam won't let me anyway, but when I was, I used to be a pastor, and I remember being where you guys are sitting, thinking to myself, we would have the occasional missionary come in, and I would think to myself, I'm like, that's cool. I really want to be a part of this. I'm super pumped about getting to be at a church that sends people out to the nations, and, and even my giving is a part of that. But to be honest, guys, you know what I thought about missionaries? I thought this. I thought a missionary is like a unicorn. I believe in them, but I've never seen one, you know? And so here you go. Now you get to see one. I just wanted, I want you to know, I want to, I want to just like, I want to just say, come up, say hi. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to tell you more about what we do and all the stuff we get to be a part of. Specifically, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of weird, evil stuff happening on the planet. Everything between Ukraine and Russia, all of this. There's bad stuff going on. But what you don't always hear on the news is all the amazing stuff going on. Right now, we are getting ready to, uh, to host our, our group in Kona, Hawaii, is actually the primary uh, uh, person, people's responsible, I should say. We're the ones running a, a big, massive stadium event in Kansas City next week called The Send. And this stadium event will have over... Um, I believe over 60 to 70,000 young people at it. And they're coming because something is happening on the earth today. And it's not all this evil that's going out. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? So when you see a lot of this bad stuff on the news, right? Um, you know, you watch CNN, constant negative news, right? If you're doing that, know, know what's happening underneath that you're probably not aware of. And that's the fact that revival is sparking in places you've never seen. And it's so cool. It's so cool to be a part of. So, yeah, guys, thank you. Obviously, thank you so much for the support you give to us and our family. We're so excited. I want you to pray one thing for me, okay? I want you to pray 
that somebody will get Sam and Becca to come visit us in Hawaii so they can see everything that's going on, right? I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, there you go. Love you, man. All right, thank you, guys. Come on. Um, if you don't know much about YWAM, it's youth with a mission, but the number of people that they send and train, and that's one of the things that when Trent really told us what they were involved with is Trent used to be a worship pastor at a church here in Michigan. And so what he gets to do and what they get to do is to help train young people who say, I have a gift or I can play an instrument, I'd like to play an instrument, I sing, how can I use that to build the kingdom, what can I do? And they go down there and they get some training in how to sing with other or work with other people and how to lead, and then they get sent off and they get to go do that all around the world. And so I just think it's an honor to get to be a part of what they're doing down at YWAM, and man, it's one of those things where I can't wait to get to heaven and to see the impact to see how far our reach has gone because of strategically giving and, and then how that trickles to someone else and then someone else, and that touches a life, which touches a life, which touches another one and another one and another one. So thank you guys so much for doing that. It's so much fun to get to do that. All right. Well, we're in a series right now called Truth Be Told, and really we're looking at what science and history have to say about the Bible. And... Before we really get into this, I know, and, nor, and, and my intention is not to try to convince you to believe the Bible. By some historic found, there's, there's nothing new that I'm like, oh, by the way, now this settles it for everybody. That's, that's not what this is. There will always be, and there will, it's always necessary to have faith. It's always, as the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But what is fun and so amazing is to simply just look and to watch science catching up with the Bible that was written thousands of years ago, to watch archaeology confirm what the Bible has said for thousands of years, and to see how prophecy proves that the Bible isn't just a book, but it is divinely inspired as we see things written thousands of years ago coming true. So I love that sort of thing. But here's what we believe that the Bible is, that the Bible was written, written, again, by dozens of writers, but authored by one, and that's God. So written, yes, yes, absolutely, dozens of authors, over 10, maybe 15 centuries, we're not even sure exactly how long it took to, for this to happen, but it was authored by God. Exodus 24 says this, says, then Moses carefully wrote down all the instructions of the Lord. That that's what the Bible is. Second Timothy, talking about Scripture itself, says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That it wasn't just, okay, here's some neat things that some people wrote, so let's just compile them together. But know that God inspired them. Said, hey, write this. Write this down. So we're going to look at a few of these. Something fun, I, I, I just love this. I like history quite a bit. And one of the things I find very interesting our presidents, and just the founding of our nation and the impact that the Bible had on so much of it. And you don't, won't learn this in schools because it's been strategically, intentionally removed. But Zach, Zachary Taylor, he was the 12th president in the United States, said this about the Bible. He said, especially should the Bible be placed in the hands of the young. It is the best school book in the world. 
I would that all of our people were brought up under the influence of that holy book. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, the Bible is the best gift given to man. It's an amazing, amazing book. We talked last week, we said there is an estimated 100 million copies of the Bible sold every single year. That's a lot. But it's not just because there's some dig and they find some things and that's great, but it's, it's because it's the Word of God and it works. It works. One man who looked at the Bible and said, this thing is true, is a man by the name of Matthew Mary. Early 1800s. He read, and he read this, Psalms 8.8 said, The birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. He read that. He also read Ecclesiastes 1.6 that said, The wind goes toward the south, then turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. And he believed the Bible. He was not a pastor, but he said this. He says, I have been blamed by men of science, both in this country and in England, for quoting the Bible in confirmation of the doctrines of physical geography. The Bible, they say, was not written for scientific purposes, and therefore no authority in the matter of science should it have. I beg pardon. The Bible is authority for everything that it touches. And he became and got a position where he was then able to, after reading those verses in the Bible, he said, sailors, that should, what they should be able to do is there needs to be a chart. He says, I believe what the Bible says, that there's a flow to the oceans of the world and that captains shouldn't just randomly take off towards one direction or another. And so then he went about and he took and he mapped the jet streams of the ocean for the very first time. He got captain's charts and all of their stories and said, what was it like? And the winds were here. And he said, oh, well, this is what it happened. And he charted that out in the early 1800s because he read the Bible and said, this is true. And he's like, I'm going to do something with this. And that's what you and I get to do. And my, my hope in this series is really to, that you would walk away with a deeper love for God's Word, and a hunger for more. And that you're okay with questions when it comes to the Bible. That you're like, we can find it, and we just dig in and we see. And we see what God's Word has to say about anything and everything. That it can become the book that you're like, this is what I'm going to build my life on. That as Christians, that we don't just say, well, I believe in God, so I don't want to look at anything else. I, don't, I, just, I just don't even want to see it. I don't want to know. No, nothing but that we're like, no. I believe God created the world, the order. And if you think, I mean, God is a God of order. We know exactly what time the sun is going to come up tomorrow. And it goes right back down and it's going to come up. And we, we, we can set our clocks by it. It is a clock. God is a God of order. And so we're going to look at some of the things. And this next one, I don't think any of you came thinking about this one today, but let me just ask, how many of you aren't sure where to go to the bathroom? Raise your hand. We kind of know where to go to the bathroom, don't we? we? We know what to do, and there's a reason why. 
You're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and you bump your friend. I don't, I, I, sorry you came this week. Just sorry, just sorry. <laughs> but you and I, we don't, we don't really think much about it. We don't, we don't have to. We have wonderful toilets. We call them thrones. And they're all over the place. If you're driving down the road and you're like, I've got to go. There's gas stations that they usually have. Sometimes they make you buy something. Sometimes they've got a key on a brick. But there's a, there's a toilet there. You can sneak in on long trips. There's rest areas that you can just stop by. There's a reason for that. There's a reason. But it's not something that you and I think about. But hundreds and thousands of years ago, it was a big deal. And if you've ever been camping, you know it can be a big deal. I remember we went camping one time. We were up in the Colorado, or was it Wyoming? Wyoming Bighorn Mountains. And I was a kid. It was middle of the night. And we wake up. And we were up there. And we didn't really, so unprepared for the weather. It was a whole family vacation. But I wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. And it's cold. It was so cold. I'm like, oh, man, what do I do? So I go out, and we're just camping in the mountains somewhere. And I'm like, what do I do? I didn't know where a flashlight was, and everybody else was asleep, and there's kind of like some snow on the ground. And, and so I'm like, uh. So I just I, I go off walking until I can kind of find a tree, because if you've never gone to the bathroom, it's it, it, it's complicated. It's not as easy as, as these thrones make it. So I find a tree and a rock. I'm like, I think I can bet. I'm like, this, this will work. So I find this tree, and I'm like, okay. And, and I go to the, I, I, I do my business, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And then I pull up my pants. And, and what I didn't realize was that I had, I had gone to the bathroom, but I hadn't moved far enough back. And so when I pulled my pants up, I pulled it up with it. Like everything had just gone right in it. And so I pulled it up. I'm like, that's warm. That's not good. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? So it's the middle of the night. And I'm like, I was so embarrassed. And I'm like, well, at least nobody's out here. So I'm, I'm stripping down in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods. We'd camp kind of by this stream. And, and so I just jump in the stream and I'm freezing cold. Oh my goodness. And so I'm trying to clean myself up in the stream and I've got my pants and I'm like, what do I do with these things? And I'm like, this never happened. So I take them and I, there's this rock and I shove them under this rock with a stick and I'm just like, stay there. That's done. And I go back and we were sleeping in the tent. So then I got to open up the tent and I get some other clothes and I just don't tell anybody. I'm like, that never happened. I will never tell anybody when they ask me, like, what's your most embarrassing moment? I'm like, I won't say because no one was there. Like, it's okay. No one's ever going to find out about this. And then the next day around lunchtime, we're, 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 you're saying, you act like you know what's happening. But anyways, so we're, it's around lunchtime and we're there and we're eating and my mom looks over and she goes, what's that under the rock? And that little nice little spot under the rock where I'd shoved my, my, my pajamas are, uh, was somebody's little home. And that little critter did not like what I put in there. So it pushed it all back up. And my mom goes over there and picks it up. And she's like, whose are these? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just run off the other direction. I wanted to cry and die and everything else. We, you and I, when it comes to the bathroom, it's, 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 it's easy. It's not something we think about. But here, I want you to understand. Let's just follow me through. I'm going somewhere with this. 
I'm going somewhere with this. All right, human experiment contains over a hundred different varieties of bacteria and parasites. Some of the worst, typhoid fever, cholera, hepatitis A, and a variety of parasitic worms. So in the early 1600s, typhoid fever, which is a disease that you get if you drink infested water because you haven't taken care of where you've been watching where you've gone to the bathroom. Typhoid fever killed 85% of the population of James River in Virginia. It just killed, it, it, it killed 85% of them. In 1831, London was the largest city in the world. And as that population grew, so does their waste. And London, it, it was just an epidemic of gross and nasty. Sewage was piling up all over the place. Uh, cesspits and basements were filling and overflowing into the streets. So then guess what happens? Well, they get cholera, shows up, and just sweeps through the city. Because sewage, the water is flowing everywhere, and it's getting everywhere. It's all over the place. So it was known as Blue Death in the 19th century. And it was diarrhea leads to severe dehydration, massive loss of body fluids. They would end up with like sunken skin, uh, a greenish tint to your, to your skin, sunken eyes, and then many, many of them would die. 1848, 1830, it begins to happen. 1848, it's happening again. There's a second outbreak because they don't know why it's happening. They don't know why it's happening. So 1848, 1849, there's a second outbreak, followed by another in 1853 and 54. Toward the end of the second outbreak, a man by the name of John Snow said, I think this is coming from contaminated water. And everybody's like, no, that's definitely not it. That's not it. So it keeps happening. Over the decades, the River Thomas became London's largest open sewer. In fact, they called it the Great Stink of 1858, and Parliament was like, we have to do something about the stinky river. The smell is what got them to do something about it, not the diseases and the mass deaths, none of that. It was the smell that got them to do something about it. So they finally installed a, and began to have a sewer system and a way to treat human waste and get it away and keep it away from drinking water. And then after that, what they found was, oh, wow, we're not having these outbreaks anymore. And the only places that it seemed to happen that were very isolated were where there was not yet any sewer in the outskirts, but where there was still just piling up. You and I do not think about it, but it's a big deal. But the Bible, Deuteronomy 23.12 said this, and this was written about 1400 B.C., design a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. Verse 13, as part of your equipment, have something to dig with. And when you relieve yourselves, dig a hole and cover it up. Millions of people have died because they didn't do what that verse says. I didn't even touch on what happened in Africa in the millions and millions and millions of deaths that are attributed to just not taking care of waste. But God, thousands and thousands of years ago, told the children of Israel 
They were traveling around, over a million people living in tents. And God's like, this is what you need to do. You need to go to the bathroom outside the camp, and then you need to have as part of your tools something that you can dig a hole, because that's where you need to go, and then you need to cover it up. Now, you and I, we know why, and that makes perfect sense to each and every one of us, doesn't it? We're like, yes, absolutely, that makes sense. But can you imagine being the Israelites? They have no idea, they have no framework to put in the why they have to do what they're being told to do. And they're just like, well, why do I have to do this? Nobody else has to bury it. Why do I have to go outside the camp? You know how far away this is? Can you just, I'm, I, I can see the conversation. It's the middle of the night, I've got to go, and now I've got to go way outside the camp. Nobody else goes outside the camp. All the other, everybody else just goes wherever. And it was one of those rules that they had no idea why. And you and I, we look at it and we're like, well, duh, of course. But are there some other things? Are there other things that the Bible says that you're like, mm, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. You're like, you know, really, it, it re marriage is just a piece of paper. And, you know, honestly, we're married in our hearts, so why shouldn't we do married people things? And God's like, don't. God's like, I designed sex and I know how it works best. And it's one man, one woman, married for life. That's where it is. That's where it belongs. That's where it's best. And like, but, but, but it's fun. And God's like, but it's also dangerous. That's not where it's best. It's best in marriage. That's where it's intended to be. The Bible says forgive, and we're like, mm, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to do it. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what that hurt is? They need to know, and God's like, forgive them. And we're like, no, 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 I don't, God, I, I, I believe you and God take me to heaven, but I, I can't forgive. Because it doesn't make sense to us. And we love to follow God when it makes sense. Like, I'll go to the bathroom and the toilet, I'll flush it. I don't go in my yard, I don't do that. Because that makes sense. But this other area where it doesn't make sense, God, I don't know that I want to do that. Love my enemies and pray for them? Like, can't I even hold a grudge? Like, come on. Like, have you seen them? Do you know what they did? Do you know what they... We, we don't want to do it. We look and we're like, well, do I, do I really need to go to a church? I mean, can't I... Can't, 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 isn't my faith just something between me and God? Can't I just watch it online? Can I, can I download it a little bit later? Do I really need to be a part of the body? And God's like, yeah, don't neglect the gathering together of the believers. Man, small group, it's, oh, joining a small group, it would just be like, like really, it's, it doesn't fit my schedule. I've got a box and it just doesn't fit. I don't, I don't know that I should, I don't know that I can do that. And yet God's word, we need relationships. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We confess our sins to God and find forgiveness. We confess one to another and that's where we get healing. We need relationships. You need them. And maybe you're like, well, I don't need them. Then you need to be in there to connect with somebody else and help them. Maybe that's it. But we need these relationships. And let me just say this. Just because it doesn't make sense to you or you look at it like, mm, I don't know about this. Don't turn it off. 
Don't pick and choose. How much trouble would the Israelites have gotten in? What would it have been if they're like, nah, a million of us, we're just not going to do that? God knew. And let me just say this to you. God knows your situation. And his word is true for you. You are not the exception. Well, everybody else, but you're really in love, so it's okay. No, honor God. Do it God's way. It is the very, very best. As if we do it God's way. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what he wants to do for us. He wants to give us a hope and a future. So trust him with all of your life. It's the only place he fits as number one. He doesn't fit as number two. He only fits as number one. So what did he tell him to do? He said, take it outside the camp and bury it. And it's like, okay, so they bury it. Like, so you don't have to step in it. That's probably a good thing. But you want to know what we know now about the ground? The ground is an amazing, it's nature's filter. And water that moves into and through soil is cleaned physical, chemical, and through a biological process all together just through the ground. Pollutants carried by water get caught in the small pores of soil. They get physically, it gets physically cleaned. It's called microportofol, something I can't read. Most soils have a slight chemical charge which attracts and captures chemicals with the opposite charge. So like a clay soil has a negative charge, so positive charged substances like ammonium are attracted to the soil. So the soil would hold the pollution rather than release it into the water. So our ground will actually filter water and allow, when it comes out the other side, it's clean. They had no clue, and God's like, dig a hole and bury it. God knew. He knew that it needed to be covered up. He knew the dangers that were involved in it, and he knew how to take care of it. The questions that you have, God knows. He has the answers. And we need to be looking in God's word to fall in love with what his word has to say. And be like, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to learn what your word has to say. Fall in love with the Bible. Read it. Questions are okay where we're like, God, I don't understand it. But we need small groups. We need to be in groups where, where we're talking to people. I'm like, hey, this is, this is what I'm going through. What is this? I, I don't know. I need help. Um, Beck and I were at a, oh, a wedding this weekend and just had a chance to talk to a couple. And they were an elderly couple. Uh, I believe they just had celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. And by the end of the conversation, he, he, he had a few different times had some tears coming down his eyes. And he's, he's like, because um, we were sitting there talking with him. And he goes, well, you can go. You can go. And I'm like, no, I would. I t it's really just fine. I mean, and it was a wedding that I did, and I'm like, now I'm just kind of hanging out. Like, as the wedding's over, my part's done. And like, he's like, I'm sure lots of people want to talk to you. I'm like, no, they don't. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, nobody cares. Please talk to me. I'm like, this is great. And, and we just got to talk with him. I said, well, okay, tell me about how long you've been married and 60 years. 
How? Give, give me some of your secrets. How do you, how do you hit... How do you hit 60 years? And, and he told a story about him and his wife walking into church a couple of weeks ago and they were falling over laughing because they were having so much fun. And she's like, I'll tell you the secret. It's laugh at his jokes. And she's like, and I'm serious. He's funny. <laughs> and, and oh, it was just so much fun. And we're talking. And, and I was like, wow. And one of the things that came up is he said this. He's like, we're not needed at our church anymore. And I looked at him, I go, I go, yes, you are. And he goes, no, we're not. He's like, we're, we, we really don't think we are. We ended up talking for a long time. And I was like, hey, we need what you have. You've been through things that I don't even, I, I haven't even experienced yet. You've seen God's faithfulness. I said, you need to lead a group, get involved with the group. You need to do something. I said, what is your church doing? He's like, well, you know, maybe it is some of the stuff that I'm kind of putting on them. He's like, you know, they did ask us if we could do a, a mentor thing at a table. And I was like, do it. Do it because we need what you have. There's young marriages that, that, and marriages on the rocks and some that are like, we're kind of, we've been married 20 years and it seems to be dead and you're 60 and you guys are loving it. What is going on that you can help them with? That we need that. We need to be in groups. We need to be engaging with one another and helping each other, challenging each other to be and do all that God has created us to. We need that. And there's times where it might not make sense to you, where you look and you're like, my schedule's so busy. You have no idea. I've got kids here and kids there. I've got five kids. I know a little bit. And it can be a little crazy them running around. Well, you don't know. And my work schedule, and let me just say this. Oh, it says, don't neglect the gathering together of the believer. You were made for relationship. We need one another. You need to get in a group. Find a group. There's no group that you like. They're getting ready to start here in a couple of weeks. You need to do that. You need to be plugged in to church. You need to forgive. If the Bible says it, decide you're going to do it. Be one of those weirdos that looks at the Bible and says, if it says I can do it, I'll do it. If it says I have it, I have it. I just believe it and I'm going to do it and watch God be faithful over and over and over again. And here's why I can boldly tell you to do it. Because it's true. And God says this in his word, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You don't have to be afraid of it. There might be some scary moments But God says, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. So the leaving part, he says, I'll never leave, means he'll never depart. But the never forsake, that means he's never going to turn his back on you. He's always right there. Not just is he there, but he's not going to forsake you. We get it wrong all the time. And he's like, I, that's okay. He's like, I know you get it wrong all the time. I was like, that's why I sent my son, to pay the price you couldn't pay so that you could be free. Confess your sins to God, be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another. Find healing. Find healing. The Bible says it, choose it. But as we're out of time, would you bow your heads and close your eyes before we dismiss this morning? I want to make sure that everyone who can hear my voice, if you're watching this, if you're in this room, wherever you are, that you know where you stand with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, there's a time I was living for God but I'm not now. 
I know I'm not. I've been doing my own thing. If it didn't make sense, I just didn't do it. I tried my own way. You can know. You can just ask God to forgive you, and he will. You can say, God, I want to be yours again. You can come back, come into right standing with him. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know where I stand with God. I've never made him the Lord of my life. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can know. You don't have to leave here guessing. And you can begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. If you're either of those at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up high. And then right in your seat, we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up. Yep, yep. Shoot it up. Say, that's me. Today is my day. All right, hands down. In this room online, wherever you are, just if you raised your hand, we're all going to pray this prayer together, but if you raised your hand as you say these words, make them your own. And let's pray together now. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. I believe that you died. You shed your blood so I could be free. And from now on, I'm going to live for you. Forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.